welcome back. This is Hillary Crowley, and you have found the Good Energy Healing Show. We are on the seventh chakra. Wow, what a journey. For me, it's been at least. We started with the first chakra, and we looked into the cave rescue, rescuing us all from the cave, uh, being together, knowing who we belong to, and how to connect to all the other chakras in order to survive. And then we got to the second chakra, which was dancing with life, letting yourself sway and dance and belong to life. Um, And then we got up to the third chakra, which was to find that spark, that beautiful story about how in the solar plexus area of the body, which resonates in the color of the sun, solar plexus, we have this zesty spark about us, which is our will to live very much in the middle of our life, in the middle of our body, who we are. And then our hearts break wide open as we come up to the heart chakra, which is to know that hearts don't break. The heart is so powerful. It's where our mind um, can and should live. And we got there. We got right there. And then the fifth chakra, which for me, the biggest lesson of the fifth chakra is to listen and receive. So as we we speak, we should just be a channel for listening as well. And that really aligns us with the beauty of the energy of the human body. And then I took you into the 18 hours of static of my own journey of the sixth chakra, which is where the intuition lives and where apparently (laughs) you get to understand how Life is more clear if you listen, not with your ears, but with your third eye. So you see beyond seeing, you speak beyond words, you listen beyond your ears, and you just receive with your third eye and then expect to be surprised or confused in my case. Um, But I'm being falsely humble there. It's not a matter of being confused. It's a matter of dropping into where we're going right now with the seventh chakra. It's a matter of dropping into the truth. And the truth be told is that we do not know. The truth be told is that we don't know. Um, Other beings, living beings on this planet um, in the form of animals and plants and whatever the micro versions of all of that is in terms of biology and cell biology, the need to know is something uniquely um, seems, oh, well, this actually sounds like I know something I don't know, but it seems like the need to know certainly stumbles up into the human ego, that need to know. So the truth be told, whenever I hear that expression, truth be told, I like it when it ends with, I don't know. If I'm telling you the real truth, I don't know. I don't know what the next minute is going to hold. I don't know how this podcast, this episode is going to unfold. I talk a lot about um, not having this uh, these episodes scripted, but deeply prepared. Truth be told, I didn't know how to prepare for the seventh chakra authentically and with integrity. How do you prepare? Do you go through the list? Do you read what other people have written about the seventh chakra in terms of putting together a map? Sure, but I want to do better than that. I want to figure out 
how to express the big message of not knowing and how there's incredible peace in that, incredible wisdom in that. And can I even say a spirituality about living your life with comfort in the I don't know? Um, I will say Brene Brown has said something really beautiful about faith. And she talks about being weary of the idea of being so certain about things. Be weary about being certain about things. Because that, my friends, she describes, is not faith. It's the comfort and the peace that you can live inside of the idea of uncertainty. And when you can live in uncertainty, that is the grace of faith itself. So the truth be told, we don't know. And uncertainty is what will bring us to a beautiful place on this map of the chakras. So welcome back to the Good Energy Healing Show. The truth be told is we're at the seventh chakra. Welcome. We made it. So when I was preparing for this, I was thinking about our idea of the physical body. And if you go through the chakras, the chakra, the seventh chakra is considered to resonate in the vibration of clear, clear light, or white. So depending on what palette you're looking at, it's the collection of light. So if we take the red from the first chakra, the orange from the second, the yellow from the third, the green from the fourth, the blue from the fifth, and the purple from the sixth, and we bring that all into a spectrum of light, we know that, that what happens is that all becomes clear. That's how light spectrum works. In the same way you can um, divide it with a prism, that's where you see that beautiful rainbow. One of the things that I learned in the energy work that I was doing is that that rainbow breaks up not as a um, 1970s, like kind of cool, those rainbows. I think I had that on my wall in my bedroom, or maybe it was my friend's bedroom. I was, it was the bedroom I, does everyone have a friend who had like the wallpaper that everybody wishes they had? I mean, back in the day of the wallpaper, maybe it's the type of room designed. Um, if you're in college, you, you know, you peek into another friend's dorm room, like, why didn't I do that? You know, you check in around May, like, whoa, I could have put up those cool lights or I could have had that cool storage bin or that that quilt, that comforter. I had a friend named Amy and her mother did the bedroom that was just so cool because I believe the walls were like sky blue and either, it was either the wallpaper or the um, decals that were put on the wall was that cool, like perfectly semicircle, like cartoony rainbow with a with a, a nice puffy white cloud at either end. It was just so cool. Everybody knows what I'm talking about because it's become really iconic now, that image. But when that first came out in like the 80s and the 70s, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to say if I do the math here, I can do the math. It's not that hard. I'd say like 81. Okay. That rainbow was just an 11-year-old girl's dream. Like, yes, this is so cool. And her bedroom had that those colors. So whenever you tell me rainbow, I go to Amy's like room and I see those cool those cool colors on the wall. 
red, orange, yellow, green, blue. Sure. Purple too, right? And, but if you look at a real rainbow, and sometimes when I'm teaching a class, I'll ask people to say, when was the last time you saw a real rainbow? And everyone in my class has always seen a rainbow. Sometimes they will have seen it really recently, depending on the time of the year. And sometimes people have to jog their memory back a few years. One of the mistakes that we're making is when we see a rainbow, and I am absolutely one of those people that makes that mistake, is you pull out your camera phone or your phone camera or your camera itself, if anyone still has a camera. You pull out your phone, you put the camera setting on, and you say, I've got to get a picture of this. Do you? Do we need to get a picture of it? Or do we need to just take a moment and look at the beauty in front of us? That is the rainbow. Uh, There was a rainbow recently in my area and the Facebook pages lit up from everyone who lived in the area who was kind enough and thoughtful enough and present enough to say, oh, let's celebrate in the beauty of this. And they took pictures and they posted it. And it was all of that. It was kind and beautiful and glorious. But as I'm speaking to everyone out there today, I want to challenge you to the next time you see a rainbow, whether it's a metaphorical rainbow, so you see something beautiful that you're basking in, or a real rainbow, you know, that shines through the prisms of the um, water droplets in the air. I'd love you to not take a picture and just feel that energy and see how the colors work together. Like really study it, not through the lens of your phone, but through the lens of your eyes and say, behold, what are we looking at? So one of the things that you're looking at is that it's surprisingly less orderly and more nuanced and more dynamic than you can imagine. You'll see strains of magenta in there. You'll see how red um, kind of goes all the way up to yellow and then comes back to orange. And there's a, there's, um, less of a room like Amy's, less of a, less of a pattern like Amy's rooms, the, the, the rainbow in her room. So it isn't divided out and it, 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 it flows. And I bet just like snowflakes, not one rainbow is actually identical. And again, that would be very formatted, right? From the early 80s where it's like, let's celebrate, you know, how we've mastered nature and we can just draw like these little lines and put them together and we know what a rainbow is. We don't know what a rainbow is. So the energy of the chakra goes as if it's red, orange, yellow, green, blue, orange, red, orange, yellow, green, blue purple, and then clear. I don't know why I just said orange, but I said I promised you I would be working with the seventh chakra. So maybe in my case right now, if you were to look at the rainbow that is my body, that I have some orange, which is the creativity, um, the pelvic bowl area, um, living up around my forehead as I'm trying to kind of bring forth the idea of creativity through a microphone because everything right now is living up in the like the talking head of me. But when we talk about the seventh chakra, I would like us to think about a beautiful funnel of energy that doesn't just arrive at the top of our head, 
like the top of a rainbow. I'd like you to think about the energy flowing through our whole body like we're just a vessel of energy itself. So energy to energy, energy to energy, color to light, light to color, water droplet as prism, that we are the water droplets that break down the prism in our own special shaping and foundation. And we, and we shift as we go through every thought shifts us. One of the things that I've discovered in this, I would say very, very retrospective time. One of the things that I've discovered in this very retrospective time is my thoughts affect my physical body. I know, I know we've read it. Everybody knows this but I'm here to tell you it's true. The thoughts that you have affect your physical body. It's possible that your physical body uh, affects your thoughts. And when I say physical body, I might be talking about the hormonal system. I might be talking about the cardiovascular system. Heck, for all I know, it's the skeletal system. Um, nothing is, 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 is deeper than what's going on in our bone marrow which is totally related to our cardiovascular system. So I always like to not have to separate out the wisdom of the human body. But there's something to be said about having mastery over your thoughts. And I'm here for this little episode to say, what if the ultimate mastery over thought is to not be thinking that much? like to not be thinking that much, to trust that you found your zone, you found your competency. If you're a child, your most important thing to do is to be in trust and to be in play. I'm reading a beautiful book right now called Detached. And it's about a child who was abused and neglected in early childhood and how he, he, he does a great job um, unfolding his, his story and we're watching how his brain is developing because he's he's doing a beautiful job, I should say, not just unfolding his story, but reporting on himself as honestly as possible. You feel the honesty in the writing, and it's and it's really fascinating. So he, because he had um, significant disruption in his early life, he actually remembers his early life because when you g give a child a nice disruption in their early life, and I mean nice sarcastically, sorry about that, um, their memory is going to start kicking on because their brain has, has, has to kick on at an earlier age for the purposes of survival. But also it's a gift to me as the reader because I get to see, oh, wait, he's talking about what he remembers when he was three years old and he remembers play he remembers the the postman who would leave a, a box of cookies and how he was very, very young, but how exactly what those cookies taste like and exactly how he wanted to scoot down the stairs faster than his um, sister, who was only a year older than he was, to get the cookies first. And he remembers not sharing the cookies because that wasn't something that occurred to him because he was he was craving um, pleasure and getting his needs met. and But it, in hindsight, he's able to report it that it was a fun game he played with his sister, even though he didn't share the cookies. And I want to say that all of us, with, with or without trauma in our early childhood, should and could 
try to remember or just believe that we came to this world in the I don't know and we answered the I don't know with play. We don't know. Truth be told, I don't know. And we answered it with play. And then we're taught how to manage ourselves, just like in the chakras, how to manage yourself in, in the group, in the village. How do you, how do you, how do you manage yourself? And you're going to have to get some ego involved and you're going to get cordoned off into some kind of an organized situation because we live in civilizations, um, that organize us and we don't want to get too organized but we, but you can, you can get extremely organized. Um, folks I know who love academia, uh, they got organized in kindergarten and they never left because they loved how you can organize ideas and thoughts and groups and teaching and learning. And that's just a, a lifelong process. And this love of learning um, can easily organize us into saying, there's something more for me to learn. There's something more for me to learn. Now I'm going to learn this. Now I'm going to teach this. And so we have that column of, of learning and organizing our thoughts. But that doesn't hold up when we talk about the seventh chakra. I believe that the seventh chakra looks like a great, or is, well, to give it a language, imagine it looking like a great tornado at the top of our head. But is there like a pinpoint where the tornado ends? I mean, um, tornadoes that I've heard of, they actually cut through the earth. So imagine that all we have is like the tip of the iceberg. We only have the top of the tornado. And how deeply does that tornado spin down into the root of who we are? Allow that so that we're not living, I believe what might be coming up right now is that we've been living, putting the seventh chakra like above us. So whether you understand seventh chakras, believe in seventh chakras, or just being introduced to it right now, imagine that there's a part of our being that is always connected to a larger source, that we're not the drivers of our own bodies and minds. Imagine that there's a larger source, um, and I'm not talking about another person, and I'm not talking about a grand idea. I'm talking about kind of the biology of how we rely on Earth to exist, where our planet is a bigger energy than we are. Such a fine line, um, handing yourself over to a bigger energy. And then having that faith, that uncertainty, and then coping, <laughs> coping in our day um, otherwise, which is coping is I certainly have to follow a lot of rules when I drive my car in a few minutes out to my next thing I have to do. I made a mistake, a really big mistake this week with scheduling, and I didn't I went into that lovely, I don't know, um, because I had something else going on where I had to follow my heart's wisdom, but I checked out and I made a really big scheduling mistake. Um, and so those two worlds collided and now I'm stuck in my thoughts 
And the only thing I can do now is give myself grace and say, what was I listening to? What wasn't I listening to in my heart and my mind where I made that mistake? We make mistakes a lot in the village. Um, we may, we might all be making mistakes every day of our life in ways we do and do not understand. Think about that for a second. That just happened to be the mistake I caught. Maybe I made some other mistakes where I didn't notice that somebody I passed in the street really needed um, a warm smile. Um, maybe I made a mistake by doing something that wasn't aligned with the health and beauty of the earth itself. Maybe I make a thousand mistakes a day. What can I ask for? The only thing I can ask for is to be moving away from my knowing of being sure that I'm correct or I'm right or I've figured things out and more towards I don't know and please guide me and lead me and let me follow that towards a deeper understanding which will bring, you got it, a deeper peace. So it turns out, truth be told, the more we can find peace with not knowing, the more we can probably go through life in harmony and with a certain certain uncertainty <laughs> and be filled up with a deep, deep health. Not the angsty health of checking the box and making sure that we don't have any symptoms of anything going wrong in our life. No, I'm talking about the deep immunity, the deep immunity that comes with allowing something bigger than yourself to be in charge. And that something bigger than yourself is, is connected to bigger than the human ego. I've been really wanting to talk about the seventh chakra and talk about um, pirating the seventh chakra. Um, there's so many ways that the seventh chakra gets pirated, meaning that somebody hops in, somebody, something, some system hops in and says, oh, you've almost found your way to source energy. Let me take you the rest of the way. Wayne Dwyer always talked about source energy. I remember the first time I saw him um, speaking, he's considered a thought leader. He passed away recently, the last few years. Um, but he was on stage at some PBS fundraiser event and he had this huge light bulb and he said, just don't think about calling it God or great spirit or anything. Just call it source. How do you tap into source? And when do you tap into source? And he was just fascinated by that. And if that was his only legacy he left behind, I think it's a pretty good one. He said, stop wondering and just plug into it. It's source energy. It's here for you. And I like to think that that was like, I miss him because I'd like to hear what he has to say about everybody thinking they're tapping into an answer. Like they got the right answer as if it's a multiple, as if life is a multiple choice question. Um, we even have D, you know, multiple choice, A, B, C, D, D sometimes is none of the above, right? Or I don't know. Well, the real answer to the question is that you, that you, that you crump, crumple up the paper and you just, and you just throw it away. 
I have a story that um, came from when I was 18 years old. I belonged to a church in Worcester, Massachusetts. It was a really good church. I write about it in my book. Um, that's coming out, by the way, The Power of Energy Medicine, coming out on February 2nd. You can pre-order right now. And I don't tell this story in the book, though. Um, at age 18, there's this rite of passage where the 18-year-old, as an 18-year-old, you're supposed to give a sermon. It was a busy weekend for me anyway, because I was in a play by Tennessee Williams. So I already had, <laughs> I don't know how I did this, but I had to... I had all my lines memorized, but my Sunday to speak was like the day after the play. And I think I might've even had a Sunday matinee that I had to be in, but I didn't have the wherewithal or the organization to reschedule my sermon. So I had to kind of wake up and um, kind of say what I, you know, what happened in the last um, episode of this 18, the 18 hours of static of the sixth chakra. I believe I woke up and said, here goes nothing. Here goes nothing. And I, true to, true to my 18-year-old self, I decided to tell a story. And this is what the story was. Um, I remembered um, sitting in the congregation at the church I belonged to. And I was young and my parents took me there. For those of you who have been taken to church before, you're pretty much told to stay nice and quiet. And my mind would wander. And there was something kind of meditative about that. And it's a beautiful church. It had beautiful marble columns that I could um, sort of let my eyes trace while I was not listening to anything. Um, sometimes there's a pencil in front of me so I could scribble and doodle. Looking back, it was very peaceful. I'm sure if you asked me at the time, I would have done anything to be able to run around the sanctuary or... Um, go outside even more. Um, I remember always being aware of the sounds right outside the windows. But here I was at 18, looking back at that time when I was four, five, six, seven, eight years old, sitting quietly. And there was one time where the minister caught my attention. And by catching my attention, he asked that I um, that we all bow our heads and he walked us through this meditation of the quiet of a um, of a prayer. And he did it more mindfully, before the word mindful even existed, more mindfully than I'd ever experienced. And he said, um, really go into your heart and drop your awareness into your heart and think about the vastness and the beauty of everything around you. Notice the birds, remember the stars, think about the clouds floating by above you right now on this Sunday morning. And, and it eat my young little child self, I was, I was getting really captured. I was getting really captured. And suddenly I felt um, caught up in this bigness, in this beauty of God. And the minister had a different point to make. I won't say a bigger point. I would actually say a smaller point to make. Because as I suddenly felt this description that he was giving me of, I don't know, this vastness, this beauty, this place we can go in our mind and in our heart, which actually connects us to, I'm going to say it, quoting Wayne Dyer, probably source energy, I felt that connection. And I was little enough 
to um, not question it. And then the minister did this. He took a piece of paper and went like this. Right into the microphone. And he said, so you see, my dear congregation, when we're praying, it's very important to be respectful and not make noises during prayer. (laughs) That was the point of his sermon. Oh, my goodness. The point of his sermon was to be quiet and behave during prayer. Um, And... (laughs) Like it completely blew my little mind, but good for me. I remembered it because I told it back when I was 18 and hopefully there are people there who remembered that moment, but I will never forget it. And, you know, as I'm telling it now, I really don't want to chastise the minister for being like, you know, you know, (laughs) taking us sort of like playfully onto a mindfulness journey before we knew that mindfulness existed and bringing us into like a meditation, which was the deepest prayer I've ever experienced in his effort to make a point to create peace in the sanctuary, peace in the sanctuary. How do you like that line? <laughs> so he created peace in the sanctuary only to break the peace with the crumpling paper. But you know what? I remembered it because of the crumpling paper and I still remember it today as I'm telling the story. And, you know, he didn't know. And I certainly realized that my minister at that moment was flawed because I'm like, what are you doing to all of this? That was a really, that was like kind of like a bad, mean teacher moment. And uh, it doesn't take long into my academic life to be like, teachers have good days and they have bad days. And sometimes they're cranky and sometimes they like mess up. And I'm like, oh, my, my minister's cranky today. Um, but I remembered it all. And maybe now as I, as I, sit here remembering it again as I asked the seventh chakra to help teach me forward. Maybe I'm remembering that that interruption made my minister human. And if he didn't interrupt, what if he went deeper and he said, you're feeling something powerful and you're feeling it through my voice and I'm in charge of you and I'm the only way to get to this peaceful place. I'm realizing this at this very minute. He did well by interrupting us. He did well by making that crinkly noise. You know, he did a good job. He didn't even realize, truth be told, that was actually the right thing for him to do because he thought he was talking to us about opening candy wrappers or talking during prayer or crinkling up paper. I'm sure that's what he intended to do. And he made us all much better behaved. And this was, by the way, not a children's sermon that he did this when I was little. I was sitting in the adult, you know, sanctuary. So he was telling the adults to behave. <laughs> like he was saying to adults, stop making noises. And I hear that, you know, as a little kid, I heard it every time I turned my head, you know, if my foot shuffled on the ground. Shh, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Okay. Cause I, I I'm, I like quiet. I like quiet when people gather. I think there's something beautiful and respectful about all of us being quiet, especially if it's theater. You know, somebody, why does somebody have to open the butterscotch, you know, wrapper right in the middle of somebody's, you know, monologue? Like it's not respectful. Um, I still, if you ever go to the theater with me, you'll see me. I'm a little neurotic about that because I just, I do like to drop into the sanctuary of theater. I like to drop into the sanctuary of letting somebody else 
um, express themselves safely in front of me. But he didn't do that. He didn't say, I've taken you on a journey to prayer and I hope you enjoyed that and I can take you on a journey to prayer. He said, we were going on a journey to prayer. Try not to interrupt each other along the way. And he became just a very human um, minister who needed to teach his you know, congregation a lesson. You all can just figure out where that falls for you in terms of your opinion of the story I'm telling. I'm telling it in a fairly general sense. So you don't know when I say minister who that person is. You don't know exactly you know, what type of congregation I belong to. So we could add all sorts of stories to it. It could be big old, you know, kumbaya situation, or it could be very, very strict, strict, strict. Just put your, fill in the blanks for yourself. But maybe that crumpling of that paper was a moment where I was very sure that um, I was in charge of my connection and his crumpling of the paper reminded me that he's not in charge of my connection. And when I was telling the sermon when when I was 18 years old, I did have the wherewithal, even at 18, to say, before he crumpled the paper, I started to feel a connection. And that connection was glorious. And it was so much bigger than the big church we were sitting in. And he had taken me somewhere out into imagining the stars, kind of like Jodie Foster's um, story from Contact that I talked about in the last episode. And when I went beyond that, I remembered at 18, I want to still try to find that. And so as we think of the big tornado of the beautiful spitting energy, um, the friendly tornado, I'll call it, um, all respect to the destruction of tornadoes, um, but let's call it the friendly tornado because I want to look at that that funnel of nature that 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 comes together um, when different pressure systems meet. As we think about what we're letting go and pulling in through the top of our head, I want us to think about the top of our head just being the atmosphere, and that the rest of the atmosphere goes right through our whole body. And that we can just be living, breathing examples of channeling the energy of source and not knowing, but knowing that that source energy might have a consciousness. Wow. Could you imagine a bigger consciousness than human consciousness? Shake your ego up a little bit there. That that consciousness has 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 a resilience and an order and a beauty And we see it when we see um, bulbs be planted around this time of the year, become blooms on the other side of winter. If you live in the seasons like I live in, Um, we see it in the resilience of love we see between people, um, the natural uh, flow of beauty that we experience when we are out in nature. If you do not feel beauty in your life, that would be a time to really see what you could do to clear and connect with the seventh chakra. Um, Ask to see beauty. There's so many different uh, simple asks and simple prayers. Um, The minister that day 
I think he was just asking us to experience silence, experience quiet inside of our mind. And then he was saying, try not to interrupt other people's peace and silence. Um, I've talked about the powerful prayer of hope and help. So when you need hope, you just ask for help. Um, and for this, I feel like for the seventh chakra, the allowing yourself to not know is a prayer in itself. So the truth be told, you can say is, I don't know. And allow yourself to know the beauty, to ask to see the beauty, to change the way your eyes work, to change the way your sensory system receives. Um, and that might require that you close your eyes and you see the beauty, the beauty of nature, the humor. Um, I actually think that humor, I like to talk about humor once in a while. I think it's a sign of health. If you can see the humor in things, that's a sign of health. Um, and I don't mean the shock. So shock and humor can get um, mixed up. I, I, If I ever get to talk to Quentin Tarantino, I'd really like to talk to him about this. Um, that we can be shocked and we don't know what response we want to have um, because it could be anger, fear. Um, frustration, pain. And sometimes that comes out as laughter um, because our wires get crossed. I don't, I'm not talking about shocking humor. I'm talking about like being able to see laughter and feel laughter from other people and from yourself. It's a very good sign um, of health when somebody can truly laugh. And um, not laughing at somebody, not jabbing at somebody, but just surrendering to laughter. When was the last time you had a good belly laugh? Try to have it. They're, they're becoming fewer and farther between, I find, as, as we get, you know, uh, isolated, if we're, if we're feeling isolated. And um, a show that can make me really laugh is, is there's nothing like it. It's such a gift from the writers and the actors that can you know, turn our little laptops into great uh, proscenium theaters as we sit there and just get to sit there quietly and take in a performance. And if it makes me laugh, it's I'm forever grateful. Um, so beauty and humor and laughter and grace and joy and awe, those are all signs that you're tapping into the seventh chakra. There is no color to assign to it. There's no size. Music is a beautiful way of tapping into the seventh chakra, dancing. So you see, it's a combination. It's the combination of belonging and dancing in that belonging and, and, and shining forth your light and who you are. That's the third chakra. And, and letting yourself feel through that belonging, just feel your way through life and then express your way through life, but also connect and, and listen and receive. And then, and then start to understand what life is. You know, it's, can I leave you with silence there? Like, what is, what is your life? And, and ask again to receive when you say what truly matters. 
And then when you get to the seventh chakra, get to the truth be told. The truth be told is we don't know. And don't take that away from anybody else. And don't take it away from yourself. Just know that nobody else knows and you don't know either. Um, I'll leave you with one little more story. It has to do with an ice cream cone. Um, there's a um, cover of The New Yorker. It arrived in the mail um, sometime over the summer. And the cover had a uh, like a really cool ice cream cone on it, um, chocolate and vanilla, I'd guess, with a, with a plain cone. It actually had like a little cherry on top, which was kind of funny because you never really see a cherry on top of an ice cream cone. Um, we'll leave it at like, I'll leave it as simple, simple at that. I'm, I'm sure it made it to the cover of the New Yorker because there could have been subliminal messages in it and, or not. It's just, or it's just easy, e appealing to the eye in a certain simplicity. Um, I'm going to go so far in the times we're living in and the, in the nature of journalism right now is that there was probably a lot of um, subliminal messages in it. But in any case, um, I, um, I grabbed it and I immediately thought my mom who um, has passed away, she died, but um, she loved the New Yorker. She would have loved the cover because she loves ice cream. And so I sent a photo of it to my dad and I said, um, Hey dad, thank you. Cause he, he, this is a gift he gives me. He gives me a subscription to the New Yorker. I said, Hey dad, did you see the cover of the New Yorker? And I sent him a photo of it and he said, Oh, mom would have been in seventh heaven. And, um, all the while, I've been thinking about the chakra series and I'm like seventh heaven, seventh, seventh, there's a seventh. Mom would have been in seventh heaven because she would have gotten the ice cream cone on the, her, one of her favorite things in the world, pictured on one of her favorite magazines in the world. And she would snuggle up and, you know, on her couch or whatever and get to read because um, she loved to read. And we talk about seventh heaven. And you know me, or maybe you don't, but if you've been listening to my episodes, I like to research things. So I researched what seventh heaven means. And seventh heaven is considered the highest, most bliss, blissful part of the life that we experience after we die. So it's a belief in heaven, a belief that there's a consciousness beyond the death of our bodies. Ah, I kind of hope my mom's in seventh heaven because it sounds really, really great. But the truth be told is we, we don't know. And maybe somewhere between seventh heaven and not knowing, that's where we live. That's where our life exists. If anybody tries to tell you that they know, um, listen to them. Listen to whatever they need to express. And then hand it off to the seventh chakra energy. If truth be told, I don't know. I don't know. We don't know the future. We don't. It's a very good sign of mental health that you don't know the future. Um, you don't know um, how, how things are going or what's right or wrong. Truth be told, we don't know. There's an incredible faith and hope that needs to exist with love and peace. You recognize those words? They're, they're good words for a reason. We don't know. So as I wrap this up about the seventh chakra, I want to invite you all to realize that 
we took a map, we took a map, put it together. We started with you are here. And now here we are. And, and the map took us to, yeah, we thought we were climbing a mountain, but you get to the top of the mountain, you realize that's not your destination. You look up at the stars and say, there is no destination. It's way too big. It's way too vast. And the truth is, it's so beautiful. It is so beautiful. The truth be told is we do not know. Oh my goodness. I'm going to miss this chakra series. I'm going to move on to the next step and the next step after that. Probably some interviews. Lots of more things I want to talk about. But I thank you all so much for joining me today. Um, joining me if you went through all all of them or just arrived at the seventh. I, I appreciate you wherever you are. Um, I'm I'm getting ready for a new season to arrive with um, everything um, changing in my life. Um, my work changes and I've never had a book before. And so, so much of what I pour out on this podcast is actually going to be on the pages of a book that I noticed is 222 pages. I mean, you can't make that up. That, that has to do with layout. That has to do with typesetting. Um, it might change. It probably will. In fact, I can probably plan on it, but it was pretty cool to see it all sent to me in a typesetting at 222. Um, numbers matter in this world. And that's a pretty beautiful number. And by the way, not a very long book, folks. Like, you know, I tried to make it very readable, very, very digestible, because that's all I can handle these days myself. So I, I wrote the book, as they say, that you want to read, the re the book that I would want to read myself. So thank you for joining me. Um, I will be back with many more episodes, but we got through the chakra series. We got through the map. We arrived to realize there is no destination. And the truth be told, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Um if you enjoyed this episode, please um, consider um, hitting the like, um, adding a, um, positive um, feedback in the comments, um, hit the five stars. Um, thank you so much for being here. I wish you, as usual, um, an absolutely beautiful day moving forward. And thank you so much. I'm Hillary Crowley, and I'll catch you the next time.